Greetings to you, everyone. It is I, the Vault Keeper. Today, the Vault seems to be in need of a new story, and... <laughs> it seems it might have something to do with the ocean, possibly, today. The <laughs> Vault itself seems to have gone through something of a maritime makeover. If I'm to be reading this correctly, I see, uh, I see some ship's memorabilia placed around the walls, such as, uh, fishing nets and sacks and a distinct smell of, yep, that's, that's salt in the air, uh, and, <laughs> I don't know how, but seem to be hearing sounds of the ocean itself, so I'm not sure what this will be today, but I'm sure the vault will let me know of the story when it is time. So, if everyone is ready, let's just take in a deep breath as we open the story vault. The Foghorn by Ray Bradbury Out there, in the cold water, far from land, we waited every night for the coming of the fog, and it came, and we oiled the brass machinery and lit the fog light up in the stone tower. Feeling like two birds in the gray sky, McDonough and I set the light touching out, red and then white then read again to eye the lonely ships. And if they did see our light, then there was always our voice, the great deep cry of the foghorn shuddering through the rags of mist to startle the gulls away like decks of scattered cards and make the waves turn high and foam. It's a lordly life, but you're used to it now, aren't you? Asked McDunn. Uh, yes, I said. You're a good talker, thank the lord. Well, it's your turn on land tomorrow, he said, smiling, to dance the ladies and drink gin. What do you think, McDunn, when I leave you out here alone? On the mysteries of the sea, McDunn lit his pipe. It was a quarter past seven of a cold November evening, the heat on, the light switching its tail in two hundred directions, the foghorn bumbling in the high throat of the tower. There wasn't a tower for a hundred miles down the coast, just a road which came lonely through the dead country to the sea, with few cars on it, a stretch of two miles of cold water out to our rock and rare few ships. The mysteries of the sea, said McDunn thoughtfully. You know, the ocean's the biggest damn snowflake ever. It rolls and swells a thousand shapes and colors. No two alike. Strange. One night, years ago, I was here alone. When all the fish of the sea surfaced out there, something made them swim in and lie in the bay, sort of trembling and staring up at the tower light going red, white, red, white across them so I could see their funny eyes. I turned cold. They were like a big peacock's tail 
moving out there until midnight. And then, without so much as a sound, they slipped away. The million of them was gone. I kind of think, maybe in some sort of way, they came all those miles to worship. Strange. But think how the tower must look to them, standing seventy feet above the water, the god light flashing out from it, and the tower declaring itself with a monster voice. They never came back, those fish. But don't you think for a while they thought they were in the presence? I shivered. I looked out at the long gray lawn of the sea, stretching away into nothing and nowhere. Oh, the sea's full. McDunn puffed his pipe, nervously, blinking. He had been nervous all day and hadn't said why. For all our engines and so-called submarines, it'll be ten thousand centuries before we set foot on the real bottom of the sunken lands, in the fairy kingdoms there, and no real terror. Think of it. It's still the year 300,000 before Christ, down under there, while we've paraded around with trumpets, lopping off each other's countries and heads. They have been living beneath the sea twelve miles deep and cold in a time as old as the beard of a comet. Uh, yes, uh, it's an old world. Come on, I got something special I've been saving up to tell you. We ascended the eighty steps, talking and taking our time. At the top, McDunn switched off the room lights so there'd be no reflection in the plate glass. The great eye of the light was humming, turning easily in its oiled socket. The foghorn was blowing steadily, once every fifteen seconds. Sounds like an animal, don't it? McDunn nodded to himself. A big, lonely animal crying in the night, sitting here on the edge of ten million years, calling out to the deeps. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And the deeps do answer. Yes, they do. You've been here now for three months, Johnny, so I better prepare you. About this time of year, he said, studying the murk and fog, something comes to visit the lighthouse. The swarms of fish, like you said. No, this is something else. I've put off telling you, because you might think I'm daft, but tonight's the latest I can put it off. For if my calendar's marked right from last year, tonight's the night it comes. I won't go into detail. You'll have to see it for yourself. Just sit down there. If you want, tomorrow you can pack your duffel and take the motorboat into land and get your car parked there at the dinghy pier on the Cape and drive on back to some little island town and keep your lights burning nights. I won't question or blame you. It's happened three years now, and this is the only time anyone's been here with me to verify it. You wait, and watch. Half an hour passed, with only a few whispers between us. When we grew tired waiting, McDunn began describing some of his ideas to me. He had some theories about the foghorn itself. One day, many years ago, a man walked along and stood in the sound of the ocean on a cold, sunless shore, and said... We need a voice to call across the water, to warn ships. I'll make one. I'll make a voice that is like an empty bed beside you all night long, and like an empty house when you open the door, and like the trees in autumn with no leaves. A sound like the birds flying south, crying, and a sound like November and the sea on the hard, cold shore. I'll make a sound that's so alone that no one can miss it. 
that whoever hears it will weep in their souls, and to all who hear it in the distant towns, I'll make me a sound and an apparatus, and they'll call it a foghorn, and whoever hears it will know the sadness of eternity and the briefness of life. The foghorn blew. I made up that story, said McDunn quietly, to try to explain why this thing keeps coming back to the lighthouse every year. The foghorn calls. I think it comes. But, but, I said. Oh, st, said McDunn. There! He nodded out toward the deeps. Something was swimming toward the lighthouse tower. It was a cold night, as I said. The high tower was cold, the light coming and going, and the foghorn calling and calling through the raveling mist. You couldn't see far, and you couldn't see plain, but there was the deep sea moving on its way around the night earth, flat and quiet, to color of gray mud. And here were the two of us alone in the high tower, and there, far out at first, was a ripple, followed by a wave, a rising, a bubble, a bit of froth. And then, from the surface of the cold sea, came a head, a large head, dark-colored, with immense eyes, and then a neck, and then not a body, but more neck, and more. The head rose a full forty feet above the water on a slender and beautiful neck. Only then did the body like a little island of black coral and shells and crayfish, drip up from the subterranean. There was a flicker of tail. In all, from head to tip of tail, I estimated the monster at ninety or a hundred feet. I don't know what I said. I said something. Steady, boy. Steady, whispered McDonough. It, it's impossible, I said. No, Johnny. We're impossible. It's like it always was ten million years ago. It hasn't changed. It's us and the land that have changed. Become impossible. Us! It swam slowly and with a great majesty out in the icy waters. Far away, the fog came and went about it, momentarily erasing its shape. One of the monster eyes caught and held and flashed back our immense light. Red, white, red, white, like a disk held high and sending a message in primeval code. It was silent as the fog through which it swam. It's a, it's a dinosaur of some sort. I crouched down, holding to the stair rail. Yes, one of the tribe. But, but they died out. No, only hid away in the deeps. Deep, deep, deep down in the deepest deeps. Isn't that a word now, Johnny? A real word? It says so much, the deeps. There's all the coldness and darkness and deepness in the world in a word like that. What, what we do? Do? We got our job. We can't leave. Besides, we're safer here than in any boat trying to get to land. That thing's as big as a destroyer and almost as swift. But, but here, why, why, why does it, why does it come here? The next moment I has my answer. The foghorn blew. And the monster answered. A cry came across a million years of water and mist. A cry so anguished and alone it shuddered in my head and my body. 
the monster cried out at the tower. The foghorn blew. The monster roared again. The foghorn blew. The monster opened its great toothed mouth, and the sound that came from it was the sound of the foghorn itself. Lonely and vast and far away, the sound of isolation, a viewless sea, a cold night, a partness, that was the sound. Now, whispered McDunn, do you know why it comes here? I nodded. All year long, Johnny. That poor monster there, lying far out, a thousand miles at sea, and twenty miles deep, maybe, biding its time. Perhaps a million years old, this one creature. Think of it, waiting a million years. Could you wait that long? Maybe it's the last of its kind. Sort of think that's the true one. Anyway, here come men on land and build this lighthouse. Five years ago and set up their foghorn, and sound it, and sound it out towards the place where you bury yourself in sleep, and see memories of a world where there were thousands like yourself. But now you're all alone. All alone in a world that's not made for you. A world where you have to hide. But the sound of the foghorn comes and goes, comes and goes, and you stir from the muddy bottom of the deeps, and your eyes open like the lenses of two-foot cameras, and you move slow, slow, for you have the ocean sea on your shoulders, heavy. But that foghorn comes through a thousand miles of water, faint and familiar, and the furnace in your belly stokes up, and you begin to rise, slow, Slow. You feed yourself on minnows, on rivers of jellyfish, and you rise slow through the autumn months, through September when the fog started, through October with more fog and the horn still calling you on, and then late in November, after pressurizing yourself day by day, a few feet higher every hour, you're near the surface and still alive. You've got to go slow. If you surfaced all at once, you'd explode. So it takes you all three months to surface, and then a number of days to swim through the cold waters to the lighthouse. And there you are, out there, in the night, Johnny. The biggest damned monster in creation. And here's the lighthouse, calling out to you, with a long neck like your neck sticking way up out of the water, and a body like your body, and most important of all, a voice like your voice. Do you understand now, Johnny? Do you understand? The foghorn blew. The monster answered. I saw it all. I knew it all. The million years of waiting alone for someone to come back who never came back. The million years of isolation at the bottom of the sea. The insanity of time there while the skies cleared of reptile birds. The swamps fried on the continental islands. The sloths and saber-tooths had their day and sank in tar pits, and men ran like white ants upon the hills. The foghorn blew. Last year, said MacDunn, that creature swam round and round, round and round all night, not coming too near. Puzzled, I'd say. Afraid, maybe. 
and a bit angry after coming all this way. But that next day, unexpectedly, the fog lifted, the sun came out fresh, the sky was as blue as a painting, and the monster swam off away from the heat and the silence, and didn't come back. I suppose it's been brooding on it for a year now, thinking it over from every which way. The monster was only a hundred yards out now, it and the foghorn crying at each other. As the lights hit them, the monster's eyes were fire and ice. Fire and ice. That's life for you, said McDunn. Someone always waiting for someone who never comes home. Always someone loving something more than that thing loves them. And after a while, you want to destroy whatever that thing is so it can hurt you no more. The monster was rushing at the lighthouse. The foghorn blew. Let's see what happens, said McDunn. He switched the foghorn off. The ensuring minute of silence was so intense we could hear our hearts pounding in the glassed area of the tower. Could hear the slow, greased turn of the light. The monster stopped and froze. Its great lantern eyes blinked. Its mouth gaped. It gave a sort of a rumble like a volcano. It twitched its head this way and that, as if to seek the sounds now dwindled off in the fog. It peered at the lighthouse. It rumbled again. Then its eyes caught fire. It reared up, threshed the water, and rushed at the tower, its eyes filled with angry torment. McDun, I cried. Switch on the horn! McDun fumbled with the switch, but even as he switched it on, the monster was rearing up. I had a glimpse of its gigantic paws, fish skin glittering in webs between the finger-like projections, clawing at the tower. The huge eye of the right side of its anguished head glittered before me like a cauldron into which I might drop, screaming. The tower shook. The foghorn cried. The monster cried. It seized the tower and gnashed at the glass, which shattered in upon us. McDunn seized my arm. Downstairs! The tower rocked, trembled, and started to give. The foghorn and the monster roared. We stumbled and half fell down the stairs. Quick! We reached the bottom as the tower buckled down towards us. We ducked under the stairs in the small stone cellar. There were a thousand concussions as the rocks rained down. The foghorn stopped abruptly. The monster crashed upon the tower. The tower fell. We knelt together, McDunn and I holding tight, while our world exploded. Then it was over, and there was nothing but darkness and the wash of the sea on the raw stones. That and the other sound. Listen, said McDunn quietly. Listen! We waited a moment, and then I began to hear it. First, a great vacuumed sucking of air, and then the lament, the bewilderment, the loneliness of the great monster folded over upon us, above us so that the sickening reek of its body filled the air, a stone's thickness away from our cellar. The monster gasped and cried. The tower was gone. The light was gone. The thing that had called it across a million years was gone. And the monster was opening its mouth and sending out great sounds. The sounds of a foghorn. Again and again. Ships far at sea, not finding the light, not seeking anything, but passing and hearing late that night, must have thought... There it is, the lonely sound, the lonesome bay horn. All's well, we've rounded the cape. And so it went for the rest of that night.
The sun was hot and yellow the next afternoon, when the rescuers came to dig us from our stoned-under cellar. It fell apart is all, said McDunn gravely. We've had a few bad knocks from the waves, and it just crumbled. He pinched my arm. There was nothing to see. The ocean was calm, the sky blue. The only thing was a great algaic stink from the green matter that covered the fallen tower stones and the shore rocks. Flies buzzed about, the ocean washed empty on the shore. The next year they built a new lighthouse, but by that time I had a job in the little town, and a wife, and a good small warm house that glowed yellow on autumn nights. The doors locked, and chimney puffing smoke. As for McDunn, he was master of the new lighthouse, built to his own specifications, out of steel-reinforced concrete. Just in case, he said. The new lighthouse was ready in November. I drove down alone one evening late, and parked my car and looked across the gray waters, and listened to the new horn sounding. Once, twice, three, four times a minute, far out there by itself. The monster? It never came back. It's gone away, said McDunn. It's gone back to the deeps. It's learned you can't love anything too much in this world. It's gone into the deepest deeps to wait another million years. Ah, the poor thing, waiting out there, and waiting out there, while man comes and goes on this pitiful little planet, waiting and waiting. I sat in my car, listening. I couldn't see the lighthouse, or the light standing out in Lonesome Bay. I could only hear the horn. The horn. The horn. It sounded like the monster calling. I sat there wishing there was something I could say. <laughs> oh my, what a story. What a story that is. Hmm. What a, what a crazy, what a crazy idea. Can you, can you imagine being, being the new guy working this lighthouse and then not only hearing the story of this supposed sea monster, but then seeing it with your own eyes and the idea that the lighthouse itself, the foghorn called out, called out and called out to this monster over vast distances. It's sounded like some kind of sea serpent to me, which, you know, can't go wrong with a good sea serpent, but what else can you expect from one of the greatest science fiction writers, Mr. Ray Bradbury? Hmm. But it, it could also, it could, it could mean so much more, you know? I, I don't know if he was, I don't know if the author was trying to speak metaphorically in this case, but it could have always been something else as well, because could have been, if we are speaking metaphorically, it could be meant to represent loneliness or loss or any any number of different things. But, oh, I've always loved this one ever since I first read it. And I just, I love the, I've always loved the idea of the, you know, the old grizzled wise lighthouse keeper or mentor or swordsman or whichever way you want to call it, the the character that's always there to, you know, he's seen everything, done everything, and then he's there to bring in the new guy. Which, in this case, 
uh, actually happened, and the the author didn't waste time in telling it either. It didn't. We didn't have. We didn't have the new guy mistrust what the what the older guy told him, and even if he had, he decides, well, just wait here and you'll see it. And my word, didn't he? Didn't he see it? This is. Oh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining what it would have what it would have looked like this huge head rising up and I'm seeing some kind of maybe a green or maybe a blue bluish green color with huge eyes red either red eyes or yellow eyes I like the idea of yellow eyes on this particular serpent and it sounds so similar to the monster itself that it actually thinks the the foghorn is another one of its kind. <laughs> I, I love the, I really love the fact of the contrast between the new guy saying, "Oh, it's absolutely impossible," and then the older guy's just sitting there like, "Oh no, it's it's happened for three straight years. Don't 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 pay it any mind. It's not going to hurt us. It just does this." And he's not batting an eye about the fact that there's a giant sea creature out there. <laughs> and then there's the. The ending with, with the monster not coming back with uh, having built the new lighthouse. But, of course, you never know. With something that strong and that old, it could always happen again, I suppose. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone who took time to listen to this week's episode. Be sure to share it around on social media if you enjoyed what you heard today. And be sure to join us next week. The next time we open, the story vault.